following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Ladies and gentlemen, the Retro Network proudly presents to you, in association with the House Show Crew, Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hot Tag with Kevin Hellions. We teased it last week. It is here. It is live. It's the first episode of Hot Tag presented by The Run-In, presented by The House Show, presented by The Retro Network. And when we first announced the show, within moments of last week's episode of The Run-In going live, I had someone contact me, excited about it, interested in it. I said, you know... That's perfect. It's almost like he's asking to be on the show. So I had to make some deals with another network. We had to share talent. There'd be a little exchange there. We agreed to let Christian show up just so Rick Flair could show up too. And all, you know, there's, there was a whole thing deals being made and all. And so from the soon to be named network from our friends over at odds with wrestling, the very first guest is the man, Adam van. Hey, Kevin, thank you very much. Yes, I think I did immediately while I was listening to the run in uh, send out the tweet, you know, declaring my intentions to be the first because I didn't want Sposo to get on here before me because I wanted to be like in uncharted territory for the first time ever. I I also think that's true because you're you're breaking new ground here for everyone like anyone else, including Joe, who will most likely be a guest at some point everyone else is going to learn by your example and take your lead for things. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. I have enough <laughs> pressure trying not to curse, but uh, I, I will see what I can do here. <laughs> you you are an innovator, though, in podcasting. Oh, well, go on. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, as a long, long, long time listener, uh, even in the previous incarnations of Longbox Heroes, when they had different names, Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always known of you from your previous moniker of the fancy gentleman. Yeah, I think a lot of the people in Joe and Todd from Longbox Heroes, uh, a lot of the people in their lives kind of got gimmick names. You know, I think that's what uh, Sposo brought to the table. You know, the former Leonard F. Chakarson was just kind of giving everybody a nickname. And uh, I was the fancy gentleman. That's just something that uh, I think I started calling myself that. It, on like Facebook like 15 years ago uh, and that was a takeoff of the comedian Jim Norton you know if you're familiar from Opie yep. and Anthony uh, he would always go on rants about how he's a fancy gentleman if he wants his coffee prepared in a certain way and uh, you know he he wants everything just right because he's a fancy gentleman so I just started like basically stealing that and that's where I got the gimmick and also from just like buying things that are way outside of my means uh that's that's just how how it stuck well and that's what i thought it was because i mean we follow each other on social media so i've seen pictures of your house and things and i i legit thought that's where it came from because you'll uh like you buy the details for your collections your ikea adventures <laughs> and you're rearranging i was like man he's got a nice house oh that's pretty oh that's pretty. i like the way that's set up so i legit thought the fancy gentleman name came from people coming over to your house and playfully mocking you for the setup of your home 
<laughs> well, you know what? Anything that I have is just the benefit of not having, you know, kids to spend the money on. I just buy all the toys for myself at this point. And I, I, I'll say for my own experience, when my kid was younger, we didn't buy anything for ourselves because we were so scared to death of having everything for him. Yeah. And, and just scared to death of a, an infant and then later a toddler. Now that he's a little older and now that our work for myself and my wife is a little better, now I'm buying comics again and other crap. Yeah, I, I feel like, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, is that, you know, while we were younger, we were buying comics, you know, just to read or whatever. And now we have a little bit more disposable income. Uh, now I'm starting to get into like the the older, more expensive stuff. Get it for me getting things put in plastic coffins, you know, CGC books. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about comics at some point, but they, I feel like I'm buying less stuff, but it's getting more expensive. Yeah, I could see that. And I, I had the same intent mm -hmm. a little while ago. I thought instead of buying a bunch of these random crappy quarter bin stuff, if I just took all that money together and bought like a nice wall book, that would make more sense. But then I find for my blogging, I want to find the random crappy quarter bin stuff because that's the stuff that I can write reviews of that no one else is doing and then finds cool, interesting things there. Yeah, no, I... I... I, I barely read any comics anymore. Like I buy a lot of comics. This is the joke that, uh, you know, Todd will make fun of me about that. I, I am six months behind on Nick Spencer's Spider-Man and uh, I'm still buying it every single month, but like, I'll still drop a bunch of money on eBay for a CGC first appearance of somebody, uh, or just some random like appearance of Azrael that I have 50 copies of already, but I needed a 51st copy. Uh, I, very random about that, but I do respect somebody who still digs through the quarter bins. Uh, if there were still cons, I would probably be doing the same thing. But I, I think my local comic book shop's been picked clean of back issues that I desire. Yeah, that. <coughs> sorry, that's the thing. Your local one, I I know I've picked over for the most part my local one. If I'm digging through again, it's, oh, I wasn't looking for this character or this book beforehand. Now I am. So now it's worth taking a second, third, fourth, whatever trip through. But I can tell you right now, I know there's no speedball comics left there. <laughs> there yeah. It, I was going to say, uh, speedball, that's your number one? Speedball's my number one. That was my discovery when I first started reading comics. He was the first brand new character. Um, but it was an amazing Spider-Man annual. He was brand new. There wasn't any history to go through. He was a teenager. So I thought I just grab gravitated to him. And then he went away. He had a 10 issue series and disappeared. I thought, all right, this just happens in comics. I was reading other things. And I really liked, I got into Avengers next. I liked the acts of vengeance storyline. That was very cool. So I was buying all of them. Imagine my surprise when I'm reading this random Thor acts of vengeance tie-in where he fates the juggernaut and there's the new warriors on the last page including speedball for their debut i was like oh my god he's in a team and then <laughs> i became a huge new warriors fan after that i gotcha uh, have you ever i ever told you the story either on twitter or elsewhere about how i got obsessed with azrael no I, it's it's on my list of things i was gonna ask but so go ahead <laughs> yeah. I'll just jump right to it. So there used to be this mega department store. Like we've all had them in our area before, like Walmart came in and like put everybody out of business. But there was a department store called Sugarman's in the in the Scranton area of Pennsylvania. And 
they were one of those stores that is like five times the size of a normal Walmart and they'd have like appliances and groceries and, you know, and, and they had a big comic and magazine section and up on the wall, they had uh, the, the original sort of Azrael miniseries. And it was the only books up on the wall. And again, this wasn't a comic shop. It just was like a, a giant magazine section. So to have these only books be up there, I was like, I want those. And uh, I could, at the time, uh, you know, they were probably like $15, $20 a piece. And so I couldn't afford them, but I found a trade paperback and it was my first Batman book that I ever bought. And I must've read that thing 20 times. And so in my mind as like a 14, 15 year old at the time, maybe even a little younger, I was like, this is Batman. This is the best thing ever. Uh, and now I play it up a lot these days by, you know, jokingly saying the best version of Batman is the Azrael Batman. But that's where it all came from is that I, I saw them up on a, on a wall somewhere. And because I couldn't have them, it, it just became the thing that I wanted the most. I understand picking on you for it because that's just <laughs> what friends do. That's just what friends do. Yeah. And Azrael did get really watered down and a lot of terrible writing and all. But that initial look of him and his first Batman suit, you can't deny how cool it looked. Yeah, I mean, Joe, so Joe cool. Quesada. Yeah, Joe Casada exactly. designed them, and it was it's awesome. I, to this day, I I really really I dabble in in original art, but uh, I'd love a Casada Azrael piece, even if it's just a sketch at this point, because I can never afford. Despite being a fancy gentleman, I can never afford the original pages or even or anything from there. I would take a doodle on a napkin at this point. <laughs> well, yeah, Casada, it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was randomly, I, I think it was actually because Todd mentioned something years ago. So I was checking on some original art sites and there was a new Warriors cover up there. Okay. And it, not an important cover, not like a groundbreaking issue. It was like a lot of floating heads. I think it was issue 25 because it was a die cut cover. Mm -hmm. um, Mark Bagley, I think, was still doing the art. So it's still like it's good art. It's a good series, but it wasn't anything huge that have a ton of demand for. It. And it was still, I looked at price and said, not a chance in hell. <laughs> so I can't even imagine Quesada original Azrael or even you know when he became Batman there it's we're talking thousands gotta yeah. be yeah I have some random original art of Azrael like uh, I have some Barry Kitts and stuff uh, I have an Ivan Rice page from Blackest Night which is actually the the first piece of original art I bought um uh, Todd actually turned me on to it. I got it really cheap by today's standards too. So uh, it's it's Blackest Night, basically zombie Azrael uh, from a, like I think issue eight of Blackest Night. But that's what opened up the floodgates. So I have a lot of Azrael stuff. I have some other random uh, original art, but Casada's still up there. I have a couple sketches, like little tiny sketches, but nothing nothing I got was able to uh, you know call my shot on. It was just stuff that I bought in the aftermarket. I have a Fred Hembeck speedball sketch. Okay. Do you know who Fred Hembeck is? Not a clue. <laughs> all right. So he did, he, in some of the comic magazines and zines and all, and then Marvel had him for a little bit in Marvel Age, he did little cartoon drawings, like poking fun and taking the piss out of stuff going on in comics. Mm -hmm. And his signature is when he draws knees, he draws them as little, like, spirals. Okay, I think I've seen something like that, but I would have had no idea who was responsible for it. Yeah, so he did He did one book that was uh, Fred Hembeck Kills the Marvel Universe, where he goes around and uh, through various means kills off every character. 
and he drew the entire book too and then he had one where he sells the marvel universe and is just okay. making money off of all them ridiculous stuff but it was so much fun i have this giant like omnibus of some of his zine work um but i loved him when i was a kid my wife found that he was doing uh like trading card size sketches on ebay and just ask him and he'll do any character oh that's cool so i grabbed a speedball one that's i have one other piece from him that was a jimmy olsen uh tribute cover um that he just did on commission it wasn't like published or anything but apparently it was sent into my local comic shop for a charity auction and arrived late so they couldn't auction it off and it just sat there for 15 years oh wow I, I randomly saw it as they were rearranging i was like i will buy that now <laughs> yeah at this point i think my my obtainable goal for original art is uh to get something from steve lieber either the fix oh. or uh superior foes of spider-man those are two of my favorite comedy books uh also written by the aforementioned nick spencer um so some steve i have some steve lieber stuff i had a, a sketch of pretzels the dog that he sent me but i want a page from one of those books i, I i'd lean towards superior but either would be good yeah, or, yeah. You know i mean I think the fix is probably cheaper, but there's less of it. So who knows? Yeah, true. Now, were you going into the same shop, Comics on the Green, that it seems like you, you were known, um, if I'm correct, you're closer or friends first with Todd, but then got to know Joe as well. And then the idea of the ads with wrestling podcast seemed to get started at the shop and then there was now uh, like a pilot episode on long box after dark. And then you guys were, I don't want to say off and running, but and then the show got started <laughs> and the rest was history. Now, yeah. did that, so am, am I kind of right with the timeline there or not really? Yeah. I mean, you're in the ballpark. Uh, like I've known uh, Todd and Joe probably for about equal amounts of time, just from going to the same comic book shop, comics on the green shout out. Um, but like I, I've been like hanging out with Todd longer and like I, I would know Joe from at the shop and, you know, Joe get, would give us the the discount into some Chikara shows. But, uh, you know, it was mostly I knew Joe through Todd, you know, when when Joe would be holding court in the comic shop talking about wrestling, you know, I would listen in on it. But I didn't really interject my opinions too much just because he's the expert and just about everything. But uh, so I knew Todd more well than Joe. Um, and I think it was just, I don't know what caused the discussion for a podcast to happen. I don't know if it was something where Joe was always inkling to get a, a, a wrestling podcast up and running. And I know Todd didn't want to do it. <laughs> so I think one day Joe just tweeted out like publicly at me. He's like, when are we doing a podcast? You know, uh, and I don't know if it was because I had like replied to something saying, you know, I can do it. But uh, he just said, when are we doing a podcast? And I was like, all right, cool. And I think like a week or two later, we were doing our first, uh, as you mentioned, cameo or, or pilot episode on Longbox Heroes After Dark. And uh, originally the way he pitched it to me was, oh, hey, we can do it around our schedules, maybe once a month, every other week, every third week. You know, it won't be a big deal. Just kind of whenever you feel like talking about something. And then it was a weekly show almost right off the bat. And uh, uh, the joke became that I was going to be the one who wanted to quit. And I can't quit out of spite. So I, I just have to keep showing up every week. 
and as someone that listened from day one, because I was already listening to Longbox and to After Dark every week, so of course I'm like, all right, I like Joe's stuff. I'll listen to this too. You're right. It wasn't weekly at first because I, I had one or two times when the show started, I thought, geez, I thought there'd be a new episode. Like that's why I really wanted to listen today was this show and there's not one up. But then it did not take long before it's right there every Thursday night slash Friday morning. It honestly... Some nights I stay up for it. Sometimes I'm like, I'm going to bed and it'll be the first thing I listen to in the morning. But it is very regular. Um, I think the only ones you had uh, two weeks ago now, which I totally get you for, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and occasionally sports. <laughs> you know, I take a lot of flack for the sports uh, cancellations. I think in the, the, the two years or so we've been doing the show, there might have been two postponements you know and there wasn't really any cancellations i think it was just like oh hey we can't record on thursday so we're gonna do it on friday um i think we've had more cancellations either from uh one or both of us just being sick as dogs or just crap in the world being too much to do a wrestling podcast about uh or just the holidays you know it's tough when you're recording on thursdays as a regular time and then you know thanksgiving drops on thursdays every year like clockwork uh but i, I think joe's a big stickler on making sure we get a show out every week and i i want to make sure that like you said that if you're reliably checking for it it should be there um so we try to deliver on that and that's all on joe joe's a taskmaster if it wasn't for joe uh, making me show up to work and making me do things, uh, it would fall off the rails pretty quick. Well, he... All right, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure Todd's the oldest of the three of you. Yes. yes. And 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 I apologize for turning this into a review of a Todd's with wrestling. <laughs> uh... um, <laughs> but Todd's the oldest of the three of you. Joe and I are real close to the same age. There's like months in between. And you're the youngest of the group. Yeah, I'm the baby at 40. <laughs> yeah, because I'm the oldest for our show. Um, educators, like, we're within six months, six, seven months of each other, but he's younger. And then Treats is, like, six years younger than us, I think. Okay. Um, But his his brother and my brother were in the same grade. We all got hanging out, and then the wrestling bond became enough. It's like, okay, we wouldn't be in high school together. We wouldn't usually hang out there's no reason but we all love watching wrestling and that's become our thing mm -hmm. so yeah when you were younger it's like okay uh we're gonna go to the bar and uh well you got school tomorrow so <laughs> see you later yeah and i think that's the, the thing that keeps me wanting to do podcasts because even when i'm like i don't want to watch wrestling or i just don't there's nothing that i really want to talk about is the fact that like somebody like you and I would never talk if it wasn't for the podcast. And there are a lot of people like the, some really good dudes from like the other shows in the, the soon to be named network, like Tim and Marcus from final wrestling place. And the guys from pod Van Dam, you know, out in Ohio, these are people that, you know, if I saw them on the street or, you know, at a comic convention or at a wrestling show, I might not talk to them, you know, it, cause I have my group of friends and they're their group of friends, but doing the podcasts and just whether it be interacting you know, just on Twitter or just, you know, little quips back and forth from show to show uh, or just my blood feud that I had with Ed Cody over the WEW hardcore title. You know, there's things that, you know, just opens up like a community amongst the, this group of podcasters. Well, and that was kind of one of the things that I wanted to do for this show, too, is 
reach out and show off the bond and get other people into it and share the wealth. So maybe from me being involved in retro network, there's a lot of people I've met through that that mm. don't know soon to be named network. Yeah, absolutely. But be that bridge. And there's also getting to know people. I know like if I don't know why, but if for some reason you DM me and say, Hey, uh, I ended up in Syracuse. My car broke down. Can you help me? I would. Yeah. And we haven't hung out, you know, like I, at some point we will, but I haven't met you in person, but we talk a lot. I saw Joe at the one Shakar show I went to and I put this out there knowing full well, I'll be mocked. I was starstruck. <laughs> I was too scared and nervous to talk to him. Oh, he's so dreamy too. That's the, that's a problem. <laughs> it's a beautiful man. But like, even even my wife, like my she knows who Joe is, his wife, his kid, and it was like, yeah, I would trust him in my home, and like there's there's no question there, mm-hmm. you know. And that's just from bonding over wrestling and comics and just being geeks together. You know, there's people on the retro network I would do that for, too. There's people that live all across the country that I could call up and say, hey, I'm in the area. And they'd say, all right, let's meet up right now. They haven't actually met before. Um, that's one that with 2020 being year of COVID and everything shut down it drives me nuts because I was going to go to a convention and see a lot of these people. And I was very much looking forward to it to finally, you know, be in the same room as them. Maybe this year, maybe 2022. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just first to go back to your, your thing about like the networks kind of integrating and like interacting and stuff like that. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't list, have even known to listen to uh, the Wizards podcast, which I'm I'm a huge fan of that. It's my second favorite comic book related podcast behind Longbox Heroes, <laughs> you know, but I listen to that now twice a week with their two shows, you know, so I mean, that that's uh, it's all credit to you. So if they're listening, you know, give give Kevin a bonus here. Um, but like, as far as meeting people pre COVID, I was really looking forward to a lot of people were going to come to the LVAC shows that the wrestling shows that run in this area. And uh, hopefully, I don't know, fingers crossed 2021, you know, we'll all be able to get back together and go to some, some shows. Uh, well, I mean, I, from putting the, the pieces together, it sounds like if I have a car, I could attend one of these. Uh, you might be able to hang out uh, at a drive-in sometime in the summer. We'll sh- we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I do have uh, a car, so <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't even get I don't even get clued in all this stuff. I just have to pick up the pieces uh, like you guys do. Joe Joe kayfabes me a lot on this stuff. I mean, if I ask him, he'll tell me. But I like to just sometimes stay in the dark. Well, but I do think that's part of the fun of it too. Like we we've dropped kayfabe on our shows, mm-hmm. but my real name's out there treats his real name is out there educator he just really does not like social media so that's why um but he is a, he, he is a high school teacher so that's why he got that moniker <laughs> um you guys with you know you are known for working the importing exporting business you know um <laughs> joe has his things too i i've always thought that's part of the fun of it too oh yeah and, i mean for me, I'm playing wrestler. You know, that's all it is. You know, I'm living a gimmick. Well, I mean, that's from your extensive ECW training, though. Oh, yes. I, as everybody knows, I'm an ECW House of Hardcore attendee. <laughs> 
I don't throw graduate in there because you have to go for more than two days to be a graduate, but I'm an attendee. I was trained by Mikey Whipwreck for at least like a half hour a day. <laughs> so story because it fits in here. Um, educator and I had someone believe that we also went to House of Hardcore. Oh, really? Yes. Um, Crone Meltzer, who eventually we'll get to that whole story probably on this podcast. <laughs> but when he was a very young kid, right before he achieved internet fame, he would come over and watch wrestling with us because there's a, a family connection there. And he saw educator and I, I'm like six one, uh, he's six three, I think. Um, so we were always the biggest people around for our group. And he's like, You two could be wrestlers and just goofing around, we started saying, Oh, well, you know, we've tried and all it just didn't work out. But we went to our house of hardcore, we had to drive every day, um, you know, New York down to Pennsylvania to go train, and it was just, oh, it was so tough. And we took we just out of nowhere came up with this elaborate backstory, and he bought it for years. <laughs> we were like santa claus <laughs> see that that's the thing you should be lucky that nobody who knew better called you on it because it wasn't in philly it was in new uh long island oh all right then yeah. it, it, well i thought you meant no one called me on it because like i do have respect for anyone that will wrestle i yeah. my body can't do it i am not an athlete my running joke is that i did not learn how to read and write well because i knew how to catch or throw <laughs> so i have respect for anyone doing it us goofing around with a friend is not me taken away from it but i had um years ago we went to a tna house show and there was some random guy that put on a mask and had like a replica bell and was taking pictures with fans and charging them for it oh, saying he was the wrestler on the show <laughs> and one bubba ray dudley got wind of it yeah. Oh, that's not you good. Have never seen someone run so fast in your <laughs> life. Both Bubba Ray to shut it down, and the guy realizing Bubba Ray's coming to kick my ass. I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Ugh. Bubba was one of the guys. Like when I first, uh, just a real quick thing for like the ECW House of Hardcore. Um, I got into that situation like I, like many of the things in my my quote unquote wrestling career as I fell ass backwards into it, where my uncle who wanted to become a professional wrestler. Uh, paid ECW and the House of Hardcore in advance for the full training. Now, however many thousands of dollars in like 1997 money this was. And, uh, you know, after one day, he just dropped right out of it. And so he was like, okay, can I have my money, please? And they all collectively laughed him out of the room. Uh, but they did their compromise was, well, if you know anybody else that wants to take your spot, uh, you, you know, by all means, go ahead and do it. So I just got, you know, free tuition to EC, ECW House of Hardcore. Uh, I made it two days before I realized, yeah, that I don't want to do this. But uh, I, I think I lasted longer because I, at the time I was in pretty good shape. I wasn't the Haas that you were at 6'1", but, uh, <laughs> you know, I was six uh, six foot and uh, pretty good shape. Beautiful blonde flowing hair, which you wouldn't know by looking at me today. But, uh, yeah, so I lasted two days at that before I was like, all right, enough's enough. I've done enough collar and elbow tie-ups with, uh, with Mikey Whipwreck. I'm good. And, uh, it wasn't until like maybe a year or two later that I fell again, ass backwards into like some indie bookings because I was the most trained person who in the, in the room at the time, <laughs> you know, wait, did, was this story on the show? I don't remember I, this part. I, I, you know what it was? So like I had dropped out of ECW 
And again, dropping out just means I just stopped going after two days. And again, they had the money, so they didn't care. They weren't looking for me. Um, but uh, eventually my uncle made it through some type of wrestling school that slapped a seal onto him, said, okay, go out there and do it. And uh, he was performing at uh, some local terrible indie. Uh, it it might have been World Star Wrestling, which if you listen to uh, any Dan Champion stories, he'll tell you all about World Star Wrestling. And... Uh, my uncle was wrestling on a card and beforehand, you know, I'm carrying his bags in and he's like, oh, you want to just go in the ring and mess around? And I'm, I went in the ring and I was bumping around and one of the promoters was there and he's like, oh, do you work? And I'm like, work what? Work, like work? No, I, I got off work earlier. Like just not knowing what he meant. And uh, he's like, no, no, do you, you know, wrestle? And I'm like, oh, no, not really. He's like, oh, you know, I want my son is looking for somebody to train with him. And this was uh, Draven Blaze, who was like a local in the Northeast area uh, years ago. I don't think he wrestles anymore. But he's like, uh, you know, my son's looking for somebody to train with. Would you be interested? And again, I'm thinking, you know, Carney, that this is going to be like, OK, how much? And he's like, no, no, free, free. Um, so I ended up training with uh, Draven and his dad for couple months and nothing formal just messing around just taking bumps and uh at the time draven was maybe 50 pounds lighter than me so i was throwing him around a lot it was fun. it was a good time and after a while uh draven's dad was just like okay so uh i think you're ready to work uh you know we're gonna have a card this week you know we're gonna have you do this and I'm like, all we've been doing has been messing around on some mats. Like, I've never put together a match. Like, I, I could take a bump. I can execute some moves. But there's a lot. Like, I shouldn't be the one telling you that there's a lot going into wrestling than just being able to execute a drop kick or take a bump. But uh, he really wanted to put us into matches. You know, us either working against each other or tagging. Uh, never ended up doing it just because at the time I was in college and I was also working. And uh, I just didn't really feel comfortable, you know, being thrown out in an unsafe way, like to perform in front of people. So uh, I didn't do it. I ended up doing a couple plant spots, you know, where I was just somebody in the crowd heckling the heel and I would get get beat down. Uh, there was a story I ever I don't know if I told this on my podcast uh, about me getting beat down by Donnie Brasco or I'm sorry, Donnie Brass was a it was a cowboy obviously playing off the Donnie Brasco movie. I don't remember here. I've listened to all of them, but I do not remember uh, this one right now. So basically, uh, and as Joe likes to say on our podcast, I don't know if you know this, Kevin, but wrestling's a work. So wow. I just want to preface that. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the gimmick was that I would be heckling Donnie Brass while he's cutting a promo. And originally what they said is, is security is going to come over and keep me in my seat. You know, I was going to be like, I'm coming in there to beat you up, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And uh, security was going to hold me back, and I was going to push my way through security, slide into the ring, and me and Donnie Brass, who was probably, at least in my memory, like 6'4", 6'5", just a big dude. Uh, we were going to trade blows. He was going to whip me off the ropes, give me a stunner, and then throw me out of the ring. That was the plan. Uh, what actually happened was I, you know, we're, I'm heckling the guy, and security comes over. And then they just part. They're like, okay, go ahead, do what you want to do. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, that looks weird. So I just kind of slid under the bottom of the ropes. He starts laying the boots to me. And I'm selling, you know, I'm getting boots laid to me. He takes off his belt. He starts whipping me with my belt or his belt, picks me up uh, without whipping me into the ropes, goes to give me a stunner, kicks me in the nuts 
which I didn't have to sell that at all because he got me good. <laughs> and then he threw me over the top rope and they didn't have mats on the floor. So I landed and hit the ground and I broke my pinky. So to this day, I have two pinkies that go in each different directions. It looks pretty cool. It's a good story. Uh, but that was the last of my wrestling uh, <laughs> bookings because uh, like I left not remembering that my pinky was hurt because uh, my man area hurt so badly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they wanted me to do refereeing after that. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, the wrestling bug is, is out of me. Um, and it was out of me for many years until, until we started doing the podcast. I could, I could see <laughs> refereeing helping with that, um, that itch, though. Yeah. To still be involved. Um, friend of a friend? Uh, someone, uh, someone I've followed online for years. Uh, but he's refereeing now and uh he's done some refereeing for create a pro and all loves it like you can just see the look in his eyes of oh i found something i, yeah. I wasn't going to be a wrestler but i got this and i'm loving this yeah i mean there's a and, lot of great referees out there now you know obviously the easy mention is like bryce remsburg but you know it's not something that you can just go out there and just do and that's what you know world star wrestling kept trying to get me to do they'd want me to wrestle without training then they're like okay you're gonna referee on this card but like there's stuff you need to know to to be a competent referee you know first and foremost like not being in the right way or in the way of the wrestlers but uh that's why I kind of didn't stick around to it because even knowing as little as I know or I knew back then, I knew that like I wasn't getting the training that to do it right, you know. And even though I do a podcast all half-assed, I, I don't believe in wrestling or doing anything uh, in the ring where somebody can get hurt the wrong way. And I I wouldn't say half-ass. At least three quarters. Three quarters. You, you never podcasted with anyone before, I'm guessing, before you two started at odds. No, not at all. Like I did, uh, and it doesn't seem like it while well, I struggle to put together a sentence, but I uh, went to school for like broadcasting. And that was always the dream is to do some type of sports broadcasting or whether it be behind the scenes in production uh, or just something in that field. So I never actually did anything with it. The importer exporter business got in the way. Um, but yeah, I never did a podcast until, until Joe gave me the call. So you've been there for years too, then the importer exporter. Oh, geez. Yeah. I I've been <laughs> doing that. I've been importing and exporting for a little more than 15 years now. Before, before my current job, I was at peak burnout for that mm -hmm. similar, but I was in a similar, but different place, but I was at, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> my limit here but i wasn't at the same place for 15 years i bounced around a lot for various reasons yeah well i'm oh. hoping that once the pandemic ends uh i can start uh cashing those jerry's internet wrestling emporium checks for commentary and then uh, i can quit my day job i've enjoyed what i mean you haven't done much yet but i enjoyed the hell out of it and uh actually you two doing stuff for Jerry is what got me to sign up for a subscription for it. Awesome. Yeah. We did uh, the micro wrestling events on like four days notice. And, you know, Joe has done commentary obviously for the better part of like 50, 60 years. Uh, and and uh, he's like, Hey, you want to do commentary on, on Friday night? And I'm like, uh, okay. 
And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be broadcast on independentwrestling.tv. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know what? I had a blast doing micro wrestling because, number one, I didn't think anybody would be watching it. And that's my own mistake. And then it ended up being this huge like thing that blew up that night. Uh, it was going people on Twitter were really enjoying it. Um, but yeah, I had a blast doing commentary on there. And uh, you know, having somebody like Joe who knows what they're doing helped a lot. You know. Yeah, I mean, he can be your guide for it. He could probably do it with no prep, head right in. He could probably mm-hmm. do a show now. But to have that level of expertise, it helps for someone new like you. Yeah. But I, I mean, speaking of new though, like when you first started the show over, geez, where are you over 150 episodes now, 140, 150, Uh, um, something like that to, but what that show started from where you are now is two completely different things. And I know podcasts evolve, anything should evolve, but it's all been genuine it's all been natural it all made sense along the way but man if you took that first one and now it's unrecognizable as the same show um you had more of a q it was like more thorough reviews for every week's show yeah the q a some random fan kept writing in every week begging for you to answer questions on there i don't know Oh, whoever that was, they were pretty desperate. I I told them to get their own podcast and leave us alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, those early podcasts, we basically would just sit down and anything that happened in wrestling that we wanted to talk about over that week, we would just talk about it. So there would be some weeks where, and again, keep in mind, this is pre-AEW, pre-NXT. We pretty much just had to draw from you know, maybe Ring of Honor, maybe Impact, but it was mostly Raw and SmackDown and whatever indie stuff Joe can force me to watch. And it would just be like a stream of consciousness. It would be like, we're going to spend an hour talking about Raw this week. And now we're going to spend, uh, you know, 45 minutes talking about SmackDown. And it was just, there was no rhyme or reason to it. And I, I want to take credit for it, but it could have been either one of us. But I think at the, originally we're like, let's just narrow it down to like three likes, three things we liked and three things we didn't like. And uh, that kind of kept us a little bit more brief. And then eventually, you know, more things got added to the show, you know, like assigning homework and, you know, just doing uh, Does Joe Know the Card and other little gimmicks like that. Even now with like the Figure Wrestling Federation reviews where we've had to kind of trim back the weekly wrestling stuff just because we're having more fun doing the the extra stuff. And uh, I think with with the way that pandemic wrestling is now. Uh, it's not quite as enjoyable, at least for me. So I, I do enjoy doing the, like the weird stuff, like the figure wrestling federation or reviewing an old Chikara show from 15 years ago. Well, and I mean, yeah, let's be honest. This no fans era kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, I think AEW has the best setup. It looks yeah. the prettiest on TV and then right or wrong they have enough people in the building too that it looks like there's people at least as opposed to nxt you know people that haven't made it on tv yet that are just in the background banging on the glass yeah i Um, feel like when i watch wwe right now it feels like and it's been geez we've been a year or so or a little bit less than a year in this this pandemic era but i feel like they're just stalling waiting for fans to come back 
So they're kind mm -hmm. of giving minimum effort in whether it be storytelling or, or they're like all their plans got put on pause and they're like, let's just throw these ideas out to keep people happy until we're ready to bring it back. Where AEW and to a lesser extent NXT are basically like, okay, fans or not, let's just keep running the best stories we can. You know, AEW doesn't feel like they're putting on a pandemic era show as far as like the storylines or the efforts in the ring. I completely agree. I think Ron SmackDown feels like a fill-in issue. Yeah. Um, NXT at some point, I don't know who decided we're going to have the best women's wrestling in the U S and showcase them. Cause I, I think that's been, I can think of one other thing that I've enjoyed more than the women's matches in the last year in NXT. And that's been the last two Finn Kyle O'Reilly matches. Oh yeah, those have been incredible. awesome. Yeah, I, I will um, agree with you that the women's division of NXT is the best out there. However, the best women's wrestler is Tay Conte, and she's an AEW. So I just want to set the record straight. Well, and and I think oh, and believe me, I got a question for you there. <laughs> oh, I think AEW, everyone, because it's still new, because it's fresh, because they got something to prove. Everyone's still giving their all. I don't care if there's five fans or 5,000 fans. We're trying to get this company on the map. Yeah. So let's go out there and prove ourselves every night. And, and some people, you know, um, you can listen to odds. There's some people that might not be great people in the company mm -hmm. and we might not want to support, but then there's guys like I had tears in my eyes watching the being the elite clip of Eddie Kingston backstage. Um, oh, okay given the speech to the locker room. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know how old he is. I don't know how many more years he has. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but that man best have a job with that company for life. Yeah. And, because and I, who else do you want backstage, you know, to just help everyone? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's another one of the things I really like about doing this podcast is I, I would have still have watched AEW because uh, prior to the podcast, uh, I don't like to publicly admit this, but I was a bit of a, a bullet club below, you know, so <laughs> I, I followed like the Bucks and Omega and, and Cody. Uh, so I would have watched AEW anyways, but the fact that I do this podcast gave me this, this better appreciation for people like Eddie Kinks and people like Orange Cassidy, you know, the butcher and the blade people that came up through the Indies and, and seeing them briefly on the Indies before they, they became superstars and just hearing the perspective from Joe, somebody who's, you know, gone up and down the roads with a lot of them. Uh, you know, it, it makes you feel like it's your, your guys, you know, like that it's your home team. And while AEW might not be my, my home roster or whatever uh a lot of the guys i just you, you root for and while i might love the tribal chief roman reigns he's not my guy you know i don't have a, a a local attachment to him and that's what i get with a lot of the guys in AEW. well i think and and not to put words in your mouth here or anything but i think doing this podcast and the stuff you've been introduced to and exposed to is an evolution in wrestling taste for you Mm -hmm. much like you know you, because we're we're close to the same age as discussed earlier you know where you were when all of a sudden it was like oh all these guys went and formed their own company called image and i and, and that's cool and extreme and all that 
and then we actually read the issues and kind of realized <laughs> that most of them and, weren't and realized they were great no yeah. <laughs> um i remember where i was and who i was with the moment we were flipping through went on mtv and this new band called nirvana had a video on mm-hmm. and i went oh, oh everything just changed yeah like somehow <laughs> i knew so it, it, just listening to you for the show as stuff has progressed the amount of people you're fans of now the amount of people you've been exposed to the amount of people that if you found out they're on a show 50 miles away and you got the night off you're going that yeah, you definitely. wouldn't have probably known of outside of the show yeah and i think i remember i don't think i've ever brought this up on on my show but years and years ago uh you know I, again i've known joe and been uh friends with him for a while but i think he shared a video clip on facebook or something like that and it was of the imaginary grenade i love you know, that it, it had to be in it had to be in Chikara, but I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Chuck Taylor, but I don't remember. I just remember there being a grenade, and the entire you know all the wrestlers in the in the ring and the the referee selling that the grenade went off. And I remember commenting on it on the Facebook that this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I think I threw in some some expletives in there. And uh, you know Joe just kind of shook it off as like oh whatever you, you like what you like. And I never thought about it again. And on this most recent episode of At Odds, we were going over a Chikara show where Chuck Taylor and uh, Archibald Peck did a similar spot. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I love this. And that never would have happened, you know, two years ago. So I definitely, my tastes have evolved just from seeing a lot of stuff and just kind of seeing what, you know, gets me. And uh, yeah, definitely the the podcast has helped with that. So has listening to other people's perspectives, you know, whether it be your podcast or the other shows in my network. Well, I think it's also realizing wrestling isn't just one thing. Um, You would you as someone that's read comics too how many people that don't like comics have you heard say oh comics are for kids oh why do you read that stuff enjoy that stuff and they think it's all like archie or it's all adam west batman biff bam pow stuff yeah and you're like i could show you a hundred things right now that are a hundred different types of story comics just a medium to tell a story and it took me a while too i'm like wrestling's the same i can have a comedy match i can have a super violent match i can have a cheesecake match i can have a technical match i can have all of it and it's all still wrestling but it's different genres of it it's a medium to tell a story mm-hmm. but it took me a while to come around to that though yeah and i think that's what i really am liking more about independent wrestling you know, it's just the the variety of flavors. You know, I, I'm not a deathmatch ghoul, so I don't go down to that deep end. But I think everything up to that is what I'm enjoying the most right now. I, I did look up one of the ones you two were talking about a while ago, and I think I hit my limit as well. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. Yeah, no the, thanks. Have you seen the cricket bats with the cheese grater things on them? Uh, I've heard tales, but uh, oh my I, have, God. I have a full, I have a no Sharpies rule. Nothing sharp. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, speaking of variety of talent, mm-hmm. there is a, a known thing on, on your show on at odds with wrestling. And I would like it broken down. I want, I want to be sure of exactly what we're talking about and who and, and, and what qualifies here. Okay. So can you tell our listeners of the run and, what exactly qualifies a gifted, talented wrestler to be a quote Adam Van special? Oh, well, you're going to get us both canceled here. 
All right. So I, I think I've tried to clarify this recently um, on my my show, but I will specify here because I do throw this around a lot on Twitter. And uh, it, the Adam Van special has taken on a life of its own. Originally, Kevin Ford, my favorite independent wrestling commentator, on a Flying V Fights uh, show on, on internet wrestling uh, television, there was an Orange Cassidy match. And I, I honestly don't remember who it was that was uh, Orange Cassidy was wrestling. But as OC was coming out, Kevin Ford said, oh, we're ready for the Adam Van special uh, of the night. You know, just as a shout out to me, you know, I loved Orange Cassidy. So originally it was this is the thing that's going to pop Adam. So, you know, like, oh, here comes, you know, Alexa Bliss is coming out. This is the Adam Van special. And then it slowly got greasy to the point where it only applied to women wrestlers. Uh, <laughs> like, again, I'm going to jacuse uh, the boys over at uh, Final Wrestling Place. Uh, they only refer to uh, Adam Van Special as the, the the more attractive female wrestlers. And again, the, it did not start that way. It came from a place of purity. But at this point, uh, I, I think if you're watching a wrestling show, if it's an older one and you have a one of the divas are coming out, or if you're watching an AEW and you know, uh, I don't know, Penelope Ford comes out there, it's like, oh, that's the Adam Van special again. It was never meant to be that way. I'm, I'm not that type of person. It's just it was cheapened by those around me, and I, again, I blame Sposto. See, and I was gonna defend you for being a lecherous old man. there's there's the stuff that we saw some of the women have to do and stories that have come out and everything for the past and you're not you enjoying someone's work today you're not cheapening and honestly i'd say 99 percent of the women now are wrestlers first pretty second Mm -hmm. whereas before not that long ago was your model pretty first and then maybe we'll train you to be a wrestler yeah. And there's a big difference there. But all of them now, you can say someone's pretty and you find them attractive forever. You're not being creepy because you're also enjoying their talent. Even if they're not great, they're trying. Yeah. And you got to give credit there. Um, I, I don't know why I can't put my finger on it. Teehee. But <laughs> like Thunder Rosa has become my favorite in the last month yeah uh like yes attractive but also fantastic like so good so cool great gimmick great look everything and all but then i i agree on the you know bailey should wrestle in jeans (laughs) (laughs) um but like I think everyone's different too. I got my wife watching it and she's like, okay, other than it looks like a lot of the girls shop at hot topic because we're watching NXT. She's like, yeah, this isn't at all what it used to be. And she got into wrestling. We first started dating was like the glory days of the TNA knockouts Mm -hmm. when they actually all met. And she's like, Oh my God, she had favorites and she was tuning in every week. And we went to the same house show mentioned earlier. She hated Angelina love was just like it's just a skinny blonde girl that's it but then seeing her perform live because my wife has a theater background she's like oh my god she's incredible like seeing the performance of wrestling you know the acting part of it and the 
you know, I'm doing this exaggerated motion to play to the furthest back people in the crowd and all like, then she got it. It's like these, all of them are incredible. Yeah. And, and you've said it before on, you know, amongst you and Maddie treats and the educator on, on your podcast that like, you don't experience wrestling until you experience it at a house show because it's completely different than what they're doing on television. It's really more of an interactive experience. So you kind of see a different side of the performers when you see them at a live, not taped show, you know, whether it be, you know, a WWE house show back when that was a thing or, you know, an indie show that's just being done in front of 50 people, you know, it's a whole different atmosphere versus what's on television because of the, the projecting and interacting with the crowd and that type of stuff. Oh, and I mean, that was why I thought one of the best WWE products for the last five years was Mixed Match Challenge, because it seemed like they just didn't care and treated it like a house show and had fun. Mm -hmm. And that enjoyment came across on TV or on Facebook Live for some reason. I still don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get that Facebook ad revenue up, you know? Oh, my God. (laughs) Nothing bad will ever happen from propping up Facebook, I'm sure they thought. (laughs) And I, I've deleted so many people in last year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so what I'm, I'm going to try to keep these shows, the hot tag, um, shorter because, uh, I, I forget what episode it was. Oh, it was our, I think it was our Bella's twin magic episode clocked in at like three, three and a half hours. And you, <laughs> you messaged me something like you're effing killing me, Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, that was back when at odds was like an hour 15 tops and now we're spilling out over two hours a week now so it happens but uh... but well what what do you think the future for at odds is going to be are we going to be down to like one like one dislike every week you know, here i i've been week? pushing just dropping wrestling altogether it's not going well <laughs> <laughs> um i i've been pushing that uh we just for a while that we just become a figure wrestling federation review show. Uh, but unfortunately that's about to go on hiatus. I think what you're going to see, and I think me and Joe, Joe and I are both in alignment that we're, we're watching less and less current wrestling, especially with the pandemic, you know, being what it is. And we're focusing a little bit more and more on, on the show homework uh, where he recommends something. And then the following week I recommend something terrible. Uh, so you'll see more of that. Uh, I'm really pushing uh, do you listen to the Figure Wrestling Federation on the Major Wrestling Figure podcast? Not religiously. Are, you're, but you're familiar where they basically, oh, yeah, yeah. they just yeah. fantasy book toys fighting. Yeah. Uh, well, that is going to come to an end in the next couple weeks. And uh, I've always been Team Broski and Joe's always been Team Myers. So we had uh, came up with the idea of just doing a week of quote unquote television following when they wrap up the promotion. So when Major Fest ends and they let the brand die, uh, we're just going to do an episode where I take over Broski's roster and just book a show. And he takes over Brian Myers' roster and books a show. Uh, and that's just going to be something that hopefully we do as a bonus. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But I think you're going to maybe, and I, I'll speak this into his existence, there's just going to be more fun things like that, you know, because uh, neither Joe or I want to really keep just picking apart Raw and SmackDown every week, you know? Uh, and there are shows out there like Wednesday Night War who do a great job of dissecting NXT versus AEW, you know? So we're kind of looking for other things to dip our toes into, if that makes sense. It it does, and believe me, us doing the house show project, especially right now, like Saturday Night's main event has always been there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it started in 85, so I was seven. Probably couldn't stay up, you know, that late at night. Um, You know, was watching other things and all. But our last episode, the Uncle Elmer one, I've watched that again. That is one of the most enjoyable, ridiculous, over-the-top wrestling things that's ever existed. And it's been sitting right there for me to discover. The homework stuff, mostly Joe, not so much you. (laughs) There's been shows where I'm like, oh my God, that was good. That Mm -hmm. was incredible. I'm so happy I watched this. Like, it makes (laughs) me enjoy wrestling again. But I mean, even comics, like, you know, you you did Azrael, but that got you into it but then there's stuff where you're like oh i hadn't read this comic from the 70s or from the 80s before and holy it's it's amazing it's like it was made today it's like it's speaking directly to me and it's 20 years old 30 years old whatever but you need to wait until you're ready to discover it for some reason and a lot of this wrestling stuff i'm glad we're discovering it for our show i'm glad you guys are exposing me to stuff and and if there's more too like there's wrestling is treated as so disposable oh we'll watch it for two hours three hours whatever and forget about it the next day and then never rewatch it again there's so much i'll say art out there of wrestling that like should be rewatched and treated well and you know brought back up into the public consciousness for everyone to say oh yeah that was cool i should rewatch that too yeah and speaking of art, I can't wait to read your review about uh, Cody Rhodes presents the Nightmare <laughs> Family uh, retrospective or whatever it is that I assigned this week. I I am happy I found something that I can annoy Joe with and be part of the show. <laughs> I desperately um so there there's a couple of bloggers and podcasters that my wife jokingly says you have a man crush. Because it's people whose work I follow no matter what and I use as motivators to do better on my own. Um, Adam Pope there from Wizards is on that list too. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all the stuff he does. But Joe's on there. And so, as you know, I was writing into Ed Odds constantly every week asking stuff. Um, I believe I've won the WrestleMania contest both times. <laughs> uh, and then when his... God, how many years ago was it? It was forever ago, but he had a podcast called Dad Distractions mm-hmm. that uh, ended. I believe the other host couldn't do it anymore. And I, I don't, I'm just going from like basic memory. I cold messaged Joe and said, Hey, I'm a dad too. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be willing to talk. Like, I was uh, at this point, I probably could message for that. Like, we've talked enough. But at you that point, enough clout. Yeah, yeah. Good. At that point, not at all. Yeah. I was, I was annoying fan for sure. That's all I was at the time. And he very, you know, nicely said no. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, what? like, like you said before, uh, I'm sure now, you know, when when at odds falls apart and uh, Maddie treats and educator kick you out of uh, the house show, uh, you guys can go ahead and and start a new show. There we go. I I thought they were kicking me out for that Christmas vacation one. <laughs> I was nervous. Now, um, I'm going to open up the hot tag. This is the thing that uh, I'll probably do each episode um, unless it goes poorly, and then I'll stop it. But do you have any questions, curiosity, anything for me, stuff I'm involved in, a thought for anything, anything at all? 
because my my thought is that hot tags will go back and forth as the show goes on. Uh oh. All right. Well, I think we talked about this uh, earlier, if not before we started recording. And uh, like I've complained numerous times about not having the time to watch wrestling. And that is with me having no life and no family to to speak of. Uh, you are watching current wrestling. You're watching NXT. You're watching AEW. I'm sure you're at least getting the, the, the high points of Raw and SmackDown. But then you're watching these giant pay-per-views, you know, whether it be Halloween Havoc or, you know, now uh, Saturday Night's main event. And then obviously these are three, four hour sh- long shows. And then you go and do a three hour podcast about it. Uh, so when exactly are you sleeping? And uh, <laughs> is there a clone of you running around? Um, we've been making the joke lately that there's uh, Dave Hellions because <laughs> of the Kevin Sullivan, Dave Sullivan angle. But yeah. I have this brother i don't speak of (laughs) i i lucked out um my job is the same hours monday through friday Mm -hmm. so i'm always morning i always have a weekend off i always have vacation days too like if if the schools are closed then i'm probably off of work too is a good rule of thumb for it which is good because then i can watch my kid um i i have not been perfect with it but i have cut down on social media a lot that does help that's a big time suck but i multitask a lot for it uh today i had a podcast playing um i was reading a comic that i gotta write something up later on for uh i went through my emails i had a show going at the time my kid and i were hanging out he was showing me stuff that he was working on and video games and all and i just had so much going on but none of it was like intense so I didn't feel like I missed something, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wasn't like reading an intense book. I wasn't watching something that I really had to pay attention to plot. It was stuff that was, you know, light enough that I could see all of it and get stuff from all of it too. Uh, I have multiple notebooks. So no matter what room I'm in, when I'm watching something, I will write stuff down. And then that helps a lot when uh, we're recording later on or when I'm typing up an article or whatever, I can refer back to those and, you know, get my mind going again for it. I will use breaks at work to watch stuff too. There was one week where we got our recording for house show bumped up. It just works better. I'm like, I have two hours more to watch. By the time I get home to time we record is one hour, but I just started my work day and I know when I'm taking my breaks. So I got it loaded on my phone and every break I watched part of whatever show it was that week. And I just took my notes right there at my desk. I didn't eat. I didn't do anything else on my breaks. I was just like, I need to get through the show. I think what I'm learning here is that we we have we obviously consume way too much wrestling and we need to stop. Is there a meeting we can attend? <laughs> I mean, really, a lot of times I can just watch an episode of Raw and I'm not in the mood to watch wrestling at all later on after that. <laughs> oh, I could just yeah. throw on Katie Vick and I'm all set. Yeah. Or just, you know, anything from this week, flame ball, flame throwing Alexa. Oh, Bliss oh my God. Just <laughs> so, all right. I haven't done. We're, we're recording this. I'll break kayfabe. We're recording this on Saturday. I have not watched Smackdown yet, but I'm pretty sure the only thing I really want to watch on Smackdown is the Billy K Riot Squad segment. 
I've seen multiple photos uh, of that. Uh, uh, the boar, I'm sure you're familiar with his uh, work and his presence on Twitter. He is a big fan of uh, Billy Kay, and uh, we've had long discussions about uh, just how much we appreciate Billy Kay. Uh, so I've seen those photos multiple times. I have not uh, actually seen uh, SmackDown yet. I mean, she is fantastic. I, w- I would have to ask him if he had to choose, would he choose Billy Kay or Francine? Ooh, oh, that's tough. Hopefully he is listening to this and he could... Uh, tweet it out and let us know i'll I'll keep that under wraps i won't i won't clue him in that we have that question (laughs) if i had to guess i'm gonna say he's gonna pick francine just out of body of work you know and francine has been around you know in our collective consciousness for for 20 plus years uh and while billy k you know with the iconics that's what maybe a five-year run at this point uh i don't know so i'm gonna say he's going francine but i think i might go billy k I don't know. Since, really? Right. Yeah, I think I might. See, I, I think he would see Francine as a wall book. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I got to save up for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's had internet conversations with Francine, so I think that might also be pushing it over the edge towards her way. You know, he's he's wished Francine good morning and she's responded. So it, it's, oh, it's pretty so much love. <laughs> I hope I hope someone puts up the money and has her manage him just for one show. Oh, and I hope it's on Jerry's Wrestling Emporium. Yes. At, at an LVAC show and me and Joe will do commentary on. It. Oh, God, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> I would just be marking out. Yeah, absolutely. Put you in the front row. It'll be a good time for everybody. <laughs> All right, Adam. Well, at the end here, do you? We've talked about a lot, but do you want to tell everyone? Go ahead and hype your stuff. Go ahead and do the plugs. All right. Uh, as we've said many times, my podcast, my wrestling podcast, is at odds with wrestling, uh, and that's part of the soon-to-be-named network. Uh, you can look me up on Twitter or Instagram at the man Adam Van. Uh, the Twitter is pretty much all the wrestling stuff and 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 shooting the crap with everybody. Uh, Instagram is if you want to see all the things I buy, so like all my toys and comics and and baseball cards and stuff I put on my Instagram. So uh, the man Adam Van on all of that. But yeah, look us up on Twitter. And as as uh, Kevin said, our podcasts come out late every Thursday night. And you can follow me across the internet at Masked Library. MassLibrary.com is the home blog. And this Thursday morning, I will have my homework up before the Thursday night at Odd Show. And this week <laughs> is Cody Rhodes Wrestling Nightmare Family thing, which <laughs> you guys listed the card, and I don't think I knew a single person on it. Well, it's because it's all trainees. That's the thing is that the gimmick is that Cody and QT Marshall have a wrestling school somewhere and that these are all people that are 12 weeks into their training. So it should be top notch wrestling. I am just going to have <laughs> nicknames for people. I'm going to forget their <laughs> actual names and it's just going to be like guy in red trunks versus guy with lots of tattoos. Well, make sure your notes are thorough because I might skip watching it all together and just go the notes. <laughs> <You assigned it. laughs> Oh, what's this next week? Royal Rumble, and then Joe. Oh, I gotta get schedule going. <laughs> well, hey, I just want to thank you for having me on the show. By the way, even though most of this is probably gonna get cut out, <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. I, I thank you for being part of it. Um, I thank you for being excited about it too. Yeah, I hate feeling like you're in a bubble and no one's reading or writing or listening to the stuff. 
um, which is one of the reasons why I like doing the homework because my hits skyrocket as soon as you guys retweet that my homework is up. Like, awesome. I have tons of people reading that all the time. So I will continue doing that just because, you know, it gets more eyes on the rest of my stuff and all. But it, it helps. And then it feels like I'm not writing for an audience of one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm glad that that works out because, you know, we do genuinely enjoy reading your reviews. And again, I, I rely on it for when I when I gently skim through some programming. <laughs> I use it as a reminder. So keep up the good work. And I do frequently put in uh, jokes for you or Joe in either my podcast or my writing. Just I randomly put in stuff to make YouTube pop. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like I said, that's the thing that uh, I enjoy most about this is just, you know, a bunch of people from around the country, you know, different podcasts, different podcast networks, you know, just kind of giving each other uh, the business. So, uh, you know, good times. I'm looking forward to more of this in the future. Excellent. All right, uh, I don't have a closing yet for the hot tag, but we're going to end the usual presented by the Retro Network closer here. And I think I know who's going to be on next week, but I don't want to tease it yet because it's not confirmed. But I think we're talking comics next week. We'll see. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.